You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Batteries store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the home for those looking for expertise, and inspiration on all things Western Big Game Hunting. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 10, where we talk with Cliff Gray of Flat Tops Wilderness Guides. Hello there, Adam Parr here, coming at you from Eagle, Colorado. Hope all is well with you. Today's episode is sponsored by Mountain Ops. Just kidding. I do not have them for a sponsor. I don't have any sponsors. I do this for you guys. Hopefully I didn't scare you there with that Mountain Ops sponsorship ad. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I, I have been kicking around the idea of having sponsors for the podcast and for the website. You know, it... it I started this blog and website a couple years ago and it slowly kind of morphed into, you know, obviously the podcast and doing some YouTube videos and it, it does become a decent amount of work and, and takes up a decent amount of amount of my time. So I've been kicking around the ideas of how to go forward potentially with some sponsors. If you have any thoughts on that, shoot me a note at transitionwild.com, go to the contact page would love to hear your thoughts um i definitely would do it in the right way i i i'm not some product whore and never want to be if i did have sponsors it would be products that i already use or familiar with or that i could actually stand behind um for sure so um kind of kind of looking at that but um speaking of doing this for you guys uh this episode was inspired by um a listener of the podcast Jim from Wisconsin, he shot me a note and said, Hey, Adam, thanks for your podcast. I'm 58 years old and want to do my first elk bow hunt, and I'm in pretty good shape, but I think it would be better if I could hire an outfitter who has horses or a mule to take us to a drop camp. 
Do you have your rec- recommendations or resources that you could provide? Me and my buddy are the same age. Um, thanks for your help. And uh, so, Jim, thank you for reaching out to me. I really do appreciate it. And because of that, it kind of inspired me to, to look into more of a drop camp um, outfitter scenario for elk hunting. And I really don't know much about it. So that's why I reached out to Cliff Gray of Flat Tops Wilderness Guides. And, you know, we kind of just cover everything, you know, certain questions to ask and, you know, when kind of doing your research and Cliff's. Cliff takes us through start to finish on on uh, outfitting and you know drop camps and and uh, the whole process. So hope you guys enjoy this. Again, appreciate your support. If you like what you're hearing, definitely go to wherever you listen to this podcast at, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Go leave leave us a five star review on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. We really would appreciate that. Make sure to check out the other podcasts on there as well. And, um, you know, looking forward to keeping the good content coming your way. So, um, again, appreciate you guys reaching out. And let's let's dive into it. So let's welcome Cliff Gray of Flat Tops Wilderness Guides. How you doing today, man? Good to, good to be here with you. Good. Thanks for having me, Adam. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. It's funny, uh, you know, I asked you to be on the podcast and we were talking about everything and and uh, we just jumped on the phone probably not even an hour ago and, you know, you're in Gypsum and I'm an Eagle and we're j- basically just a town apart. So you're yeah. like, why don't you come over, man? Let's didn't, do this we didn't even We didn't even realize it beforehand, or at least I didn't. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, so it worked out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. Um, so yeah, kind of all this all this stem to be. I mean, um, you know, I have this podcast, and I've had a lot of guys reach out to me looking for DIY stuff. But um, you know, a lot of guys are interested in in Western hunts as far as you know, maybe drop camps or um, you know, semi guided or fully guided. So I kind of wanted to just you know get your perspective, you know, and and talk to you about you know, all things Western hunting and, and what you guys do and kind of jump into a little bit of everything. Does that sound like a plan? Yeah, sounds good, man. And I, on the and we can go over, you know, I think some of the stuff I can probably generalize for most wilderness outfitters, you for know, sure. particularly yeah. the drop camp stuff. There's not going to be an enormous amount of difference between guys. Um, we do all offer some differences in terms of the service offerings, uh, when you get into more like the the like the what we call spot packing and stuff like that, but we can talk about those differences. So uh, yeah, go for it, and we'll I'll talk your ear off. So so <laughs> just sounds- ask one question, and then an hour later we'll turn this puppy off. <laughs> sounds sounds good. So how how did you get into gu- guiding? I mean, we were talking a little bit before that. Um, is this something you grew up, you know, basically in the family? And you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how it all got started. Yeah, so uh, my dad was an outfitter and cattle rancher not too far from here, probably about 10 miles as a crow flies. Um, and so I did. I was exposed to it my whole life. And then, you know, a big part of the wilderness outfitting, um, people don't really realize this, but it's just as much a horse, mule, livestock business as it is a hunting business. So I was always exposed to that my whole life pretty much. Um, so I went and did some other things in my early twenties. And then I came back, uh, here and bought a set of permits. I want to say it would have been, 
it would have been this will be my sixth season with these permits so that's how i got back into it i always kind of knew i wanted to come back yeah um i spent a little time in the in the real world i guess we'd say and then um i came back to it and then is is there anything you kind of progress so i've got a pretty fairly i'd say a fairly large wilderness primarily elk business um we do some mule deer hunting and then i have a fairly large business in in british columbia too so uh, that give you kind of the overview yeah, yeah. on that. I had no idea you guys were in uh, Canada as well. Yeah, so well, it's a it's a a funky thing. We can talk about it more, but it's probably off the topic of what we're what you're going for. All that stuff's guided, but yeah, we can get into it if you yeah if you want to. Well, I, I was looking at your website earlier. I know you guys have a pretty big operation. I, I was like just going through. You've got like how many guides do you have on staff? I mean, like fifteen so or yeah, so. Uh, what ha- you know, it, it, it's a hard question to answer because I have peaks. That's the, one of the hardest parts about this business is that you don't have full-time year-round staff, right? So, yeah. But I would say, like, to answer your question more directly, in the peak, which would be, like, second and third rifle for me, I'll have around 10 full-time staff members that live at my place. Um, and uh, and then, you know, I have a – there's another probably 10 guys that do – you know, they'll guide a week for me or whatever. Yeah. So it's a mix of that. Um, and maybe, maybe it's a little bit more than that, actually, if I think about it, because with the goats and stuff, I have, I'll have a couple of those going on at the same time, but that's basically what you're looking at a dozen yeah. at the max. Yeah. Enough, man. <laughs> Enough at one time. I'm but sure. I'm sure you're, you're a busy guy. You said right now you're, you're doing a lot of booking and, you know, just basically on the phone all day. This is kind of, you know, you're not hunting and you're not actually out in the field, but you're a busy dude right now too. Yeah, and I think, you know, most people in the business, this is like the busy time. So most of your booking is is like from the holidays through basically the end of February. That seems to be like the general, um, you know, consensus that everybody does the booking. Then it seems like every year, particularly lately, I don't know if it's the economy or what, but it seems to be a little bit earlier the last few years. Yeah, yeah, nice. So um, one of the questions I got from a guy recently, he was kind of looking for more information on drop camps, and mm-hmm. um, I'm completely unaware of you know how how the whole process goes. I've always just been DIY, um, but it is something that I would like to partake in in the future, either going in on a horse or whatever. But um, let's just say either for I mean mule deer and elk, they're kind of you know probably similar in a lot of ways. A drop camp's a drop camp, but you know, can you explain like what a drop camp is and what that entails and maybe like some questions that a person should ask, you know, when they're kind of looking to go on a particular hunt or, you know, booking a certain outfitter? Yeah, I can. Um, and it, and everybody asks the same. I mean, for the most part, guys know they kind of like if it's a logical question to ask. So I'll, I'll go over what the service is first, but yeah. there's really clear questions that you're going to ask that most guys who've hunted a little bit can just think of. And I can go through and I'll, and I'll answer them um, how I answer them uh, to people who ask. And I kind of give you some color on it. But the basic service offering is these uh, drop camps, all mine are in the wilderness area or they're in roadless national forest. Yeah. Um, you don't I, do any private land, right? It's all public? I do, do I do a little bit, but okay. not it, none of that stuff's horse horse based stuff. Yeah. It's all, I, you know, I have a, I have a lodge, so I'll do some private land hunts out of it. Got it. Um, and so 
And a lot of that's actually, if I'm doing deer hunts in the third or fourth season, um, I've got a couple small places that I can I can hunt. So I can kind of hunt the wilderness with guys, or if the conditions are right, I'll go hunt the private. Um, the ironic component of that is I've, I probably kill more big deer off public than I do private. But anyways, um, there's we can go off in that rabbit hole. But anyways, back to your question, the drop camp stuff is all on public. Um, I don't know of anybody that does drop camps on private uh i shouldn't say that it's just a different service offering there's a fair amount of guys who do like a do-it-yourself thing on private where they have Mm -hmm. cabins or maybe they even have like a little wall tent camp set up they basically drive you in you're on your own here's here's the property lines you're basically paying like a trespass fee right yeah yeah. um so but i i don't do that and i would say that's a pretty small market but the the main service offering in drop camps is the camp has been packed in into the wilderness. Most of mine are probably the closest one is an hour and 45 minutes on horseback. The furthest ones are four and a half hours. And, uh, yeah. And so probably like one question guys will always ask is, is there any road access into the areas? Um, that's a fairly good question to ask in my area. There's not some area, some guys, there is some access. It doesn't mean it's like a, a horrendous area. It's just good for you to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a good idea of really how remote the camps are. I think that's probably a handful of the main questions I get. People really want to know how remote the camps are. Um, so what I would say in general, they're more remote than most people think they're going to be. So when I say it's two and a half hours to four plus hours, and if an outfitter tells you that, you can basically multiply it by three. You ba- on a horse, you're going to go about three miles an hour. Yeah. Um, and so that's your distance. So four hour, so four miles, you're looking at let's say eleven to fourteen miles on the trail, um, and then at two and a half, you know, you're looking at let's say five to seven and a half miles on the trail, right? Mm-hmm. And usually, there's a, in most guys are packing up right? Because you're packing up in elevation. So you got a bunch of elevation grade. So there's, you know, there's questions around that and guys can, you should have a good idea, like how remote are the camps? Um, and then the camps are, are, are pretty similar across outfitters. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's Um, so basically they're well-equipped wall tent camps for the most part. There's going to be some variation. Some guys have older gear. Some guys have new gear. It's, you know, that's just business and any business you're going to have a little variability there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, it tends to be like what I'll tell guys is I always, I'm always replacing gear. And so what you're going to typically see is like a little bit, this is generalization, but it'd be my opinion on it is your smaller guys that run one or two camps as a hobby. They're going to usually have older stuff. They have a little less, um, vo- they don't have the volume of business to keep their stuff mm-hmm. as new, let's say, right? So that's yeah. a generalization doesn't mean, but that's, I, I think that's a pretty good rule of thumb. You know, the the guys that have a little more volume of hunts and a bigger area to hunt, they're going to keep their gear a little more up to date. And that goes with tack and everything on horses. But your camps or wall tents, the wall tents are put in, mine are put in on, on tent frames that we cut out of the trees there. So they the, the tents stay in there for two months at a time. They're solid. They're not going anywhere. They can resist a fair amount of snow. And then all your kitchen stuff's in there, cots, basic foam pads on the on the, on the the cots, all that stuff. What you'd expect in like a, a well-equipped camp. So we drop you off. 
so the when somebody sells you a drop camp, it's you, we pack you in, uh, we drop you off. There's a limitation on how much weight you can pack in. Most guys are one pack animal, which is 100, 125 pounds of gear. Um, so that's what you're looking on the pack in, and then we pack out game for guys. Um, all my guys that communicate with sat phone, some guys vary on that. Uh, to me, it makes more sense to do that because I'm not bringing horses into the camp all the time, which mm-hmm. is fairly disruptive. You know what I mean? If you got a guy going into a camp with horses and mules every couple of days, in my opinion, it does affect elk and deer. Um, but so I communicate with sat phone for, you know, emergency stuff, but also like if there's you run out of propane or just something that wasn't anticipated and then to pack out deer and elk. So we pack out deer and elk as part of the deal, and then we pack you out at the end of the hunt. Uh, yeah. Does give you a fairly good overview? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it sounds like what you were describing there is a lot of, uh, like, you, you actually bring them into a camp. That's already mm-hmm. kind of set up. Do you offer, is there a difference, like, with a, a spike camp um, where you'll just pack them in, like, with their own gear and then kind of, here you go, uh, call me or, you know, get a yeah, hold yeah. of Yeah, yeah, so... So I'll speak to that uh, that part of the stuff, Adam, yeah. um, because I think yeah, probably your crowd, that's what they're interested yeah. in. Is and that then, something that you guys offer, though? Yeah, so I don't. Um, you don't. So okay. I don't pack guys in with their own gear with okay. very little exception. Got it. Um, but a fair amount of guys do. Okay. The, the reason I don't, Adam, and you'll, and you'll run into this with guys, is that uh, in the end, you have a certain set of service offerings as an outfitter, and you have to kind of focus on one or the other. For sure. If I keep all my drop camps booked, you know, my camps, from my standpoint, are in good locations to hunt out of. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes to me and they want to be packed into my area with their own gear, where am I going to put them? You know what I mean? Makes so I'm almost, sense. I'm like laying pressure on yeah. a camp that's already in there. So for me, it doesn't make sense to do that. Some guys do do that because they don't want to have as much. They don't want to have the camp equipment, the hassle of putting a drop camp in and pulling a camp out. Um, I mean, a lot of your crowd will be used to, you know, backpack hunting and the backpack kind of camp setup. Yeah. These camps aren't like that. You know, these camps are for, like my smallest camps are four mules, which is, you know, basically 500 pounds of gear. And my biggest camp, well, my guided stuff won't go on that because it's like 20 mules worth of shit. But, um (laughs) The you know like the normal might be seven right so you're looking at you know seven hundred eight hundred pounds of gear you know going up and down the mountain so some guys don't want to do that as, as much in their business so they'll spot pack for you Got and that, and that's I would say like within the industry that's the term that's used is we call it spot packing okay like if you call me you say hey I, I and a lot of guys will call me with you know they'll have be looking at a topo map or whatever and they want to go to this spot um, and like most of the time. I'm already got a drop camp near there or whatever, got it. and and so I can't spot pack you in there. And and, and, I, and I wouldn't say it's like a hundred percent that I don't do it. There's for sure some historical clientele I do it to spots that don't affect other guys. You know, we have the challenge of we want everybody to have a good time, but it's public land, so all we all I can control is my hunters. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys will backpack in or whatever, and that's that's fine. But in the end, like at least I control. You know, you know, the pressure that I'm going to lay on my own hunters, you know what yeah. I mean? So, so I don't do it, but it's common if you, I think if you ask guys to spot pack, uh, f- probably 40% of guys have a fairly large business at doing it. Um, and I would say the rates on it, cause guys, I'm sure guys are curious yeah. are typically between, it just depends on how guys charge. Like some guys will charge for the horse that 
their wranglers going in on or whatever. But like what I charge, I charge 200 bucks per animal away. So if it takes four animals to go in um, and four animals to come out, then it's going to be 800 bucks each way, 1600 bucks, right? Got it. Um, you're you're going to see probably prices from 125 to 250 is probably like the rates guys are expecting. And it's interesting, man. Um, uh, a lot of guys gasp at like how much money that is until they try to do it them themselves. Oh yeah. Um, and then you just gotta, and I'm not trying to, def, you know, trying to justify it to people cause I don't really care. You know, uh, it's, it's, it, it is what it is, but to keep those horses and have guys that can take them in and out, believe me that spot packing is probably about the worst business on this planet. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. um, but if you can get a guy that, to do it for you, it's not a bad option for guys. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And will that vary um, sometimes based on how far you're going in? Like, is yeah. it going to be more money if it's eight miles versus two? Yeah. Or You know, and, and for, for me, when I have done it, when I do do it for guys, I don't vary it. I basically just will only go so far. Um, but some guys do vary it by yeah. mileage. But I'd say in general, <clears throat> the other thing you run into is, <clears throat> and it kind of varies amongst ranger districts, and we can talk about some of the four. There's a lot of like myths about how outfitters, outfitters operate, but <laughs> one thing about it is like we don't really have exclusive areas, yeah. but there is like a little bit of a code, right? This is going to sound super. Yeah, funny. I was going to ask you. Is, like, this is gonna, there a lot? Yeah. Of, there are a lot of. Yeah, so this is going to sound funny to you, and your audience is going to laugh, <laughs> but like there's kind of a code amongst outfitters, like. You like in a lot of places, it's really not. There's no legal issue with an outfitter spot packing you near another outfitter's camp, right? Yeah. But most guys won't do it just because it's like part of the code. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. his area, mm-hmm. so you need to call that guy or that gal or whatever. So I think that's what you'll run into too. Is that like a lot of guys will call me, uh, and so I will spot pack in the summer outside of hunting because then I'm not affecting other people that are paying me right yeah so if so, you call me and you want to go fishing in the flat tops right i'll spot pack you in it's the same kind of service mm-hmm. um but i'm not if you the flat tops is massive right i mean so a lot of guys will call me and say oh hey i want to get packed into here well that's that's like a 12 hour ride for me and there's other guys that operate in the area so you gotta and so i i know most of the guys so i let them know like the, if you want to actually go there this is the person to call so one of the tricks is that if you've got something in mind you've got to track down kind of the guy who operates in there yeah um and so i'm kind of getting off track but anyways i answer that question <laughs> yeah for sure and and uh while you kind of mentioned you do other stuff in the summer, um, I was on your website. You also offer like summer kind of horseback trips or fly fishing trips. Is that pretty typical of other outfitters as well, or does it just kind of depend? Yeah, it just kind of depends. You know, I probably do a little bit more of it because I have a base of operations. Like I have a piece of private property I operate out of. Yeah. So I have horses there all the time, and I have crew mm-hmm. there all the time. A fair amount of outfitters um, in this. Th- like most of this stuff applies to the guys here in Colorado, the guys in Wyoming, Montana, everybody's operating this way. But a lot of guys, um, they operate off of a trailhead, right? So they yeah. don't have a base. So it, those guys will do less fishing, less day stuff because the economic, it just doesn't make sense for them to drive up there, take you fishing for a day or one night or whatever. But we do, we do a fair amount of it. It's not, 
my it's it's not like a big part of my business you know i've got a couple guys that work for me that that enjoy doing it you know my Mm -hmm. passion is hunting um so that's what i like to do and that's the part of the business i focus on but i got some good guys that are into fly fishing that do do it yeah nice so so talking about the the drop camps it's basically um how does that work with food and stuff i mean are they bringing their own food are you guys providing that is that an additional cost or yeah so on the drop camps i will uh um sorry dude this thing's moving a smidge yeah my bad Um, that's all good i'll figure it out mechanical savvy is that all right Yeah, we're having a little technical difficulty. Hey man, this is this is the first run in here. I've had worse things happen. It looks like it's kind of coming off on the table here. We can edit this out. Leave it in for effect, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, as long as it stays. All right, I'll watch it, dude. Um, But go. I'm sorry, man. Uh, what was your question again? Go for it. So, like, we were talking about drop camps um, in regards to like food and all those supplies. Are, are, do you guys offer that as a service, or um, are guys like packing in their own food and stuff, and then just using your camps and you know cooking? Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's that's a good question. I didn't really cover that. So, mo- the vast majority of drop camps in the West are done where you bring the food. Yeah, and then in the outfitters will give you, including myself. I try to give guys like a lot of guidance because okay. you ca- you got to pack food a certain way. Mm-hmm. It's not um, it's not like how you pack food for backpack hunts and that sort of thing. Um, it's still you can eat normal, f- you know, more normal food, um, yeah. but it has to be packed a certain way to get on horses and mules. And I, you know, I so this is described in like a lot of detail and material that I give hunters and a lot of other outfitters do it too. So most guys bring their own food. I do offer a service where I'll pack the food in for you and prep it. Um, I would say I'm kind of an anomaly on that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for um, sure. I'm fixing it. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, I'm just afraid it's going to fall this way, but yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of the, all right, you still got me? Yeah, we're good. All right. So yeah, just to, if you have to edit that part on the food, like I do do it, but I, I'm kind of the anomaly. Yeah. Um, and some guys take me up on it. A lot of guys that fly, fly here do just because they don't want to deal with like the hassle of flying to Eagle or whatever, and then going shopping and trying to get all that organized. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's kind of a technical setup. You know, it's, it's way different than if you were just to take it in, in your truck and a cooler or whatever. Oh, yeah. I'm sure spaces yeah. of a, you know, essence, like you got to put a, things a certain way and pack the animals a certain way and that's got to be pretty difficult yeah i mean it's it's i mean i've got like i've got some little goofy youtube video that kind of <laughs> covers it and i think actually like my my food packing uh like guidance is actually on my website but it's not that complicated it's just it has to be packed a certain way yeah it's i mean but i mean i i'm sure you've done backpack hunts and a lot of your audience is going to have done backpack hunts and and i and i've done a whole lot of them on different you know, outside of these type of hunts and that's way more difficult to plan for. I mean, this is like child's play. It's just, you got to follow some guidelines, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so you basically pack, you'll pack them in with all their food, all their supplies. And if it's a week hunt, you know, do you come back? Do you, do you have different things where you come back like within, you know, five days or do you tell them which day you're coming back? How does that work? Yeah. So that's what, that's what I was, I was hitting on with the sat phones Mm -hmm. is, you know, if I got to go in or I've got like my staff going in and they're going to go pack out an elk, 
you know, over on this, on the east side of the drainage, they might swing by that camp just to make sure there's not a dead elk in there they need to grab. Mm -hmm. But generally, we communicate via satellite phone, or I've actually even migrated into using those in-reach messengers. So if if a camp kills an elk, they can let me know, like, immediately, you know. Got it. Got it. And then I can send guys in with the right amount of mules and the, and then they got enough time during the day to go get the elk or whatever. So that's how I communicate. The old school way of doing it and a fair amount of guys still do this is they basically run their camps every 48 hours. So they got a guy that'll check camps every 48 hours. Yeah. Um but like you said earlier it's it can be more intrusive. Um Yeah, to I do mean that. most I mean Guys understand they're not going to do it at, you know, at shooting light. They're not going to be running around <laughs> getting getting elk or bothering you in your camps. But it's still a presence in the area. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, it's, to me it's better not to. Yeah. Um, and also it's nice because I, I like – I'm like a kind of a paranoid guy, particularly within the outfitting community. I'd say I'm more, more anal than most. Um, I like to have satellite phone communication there just for emergency. You yeah. Know, so oh, if yeah. you're gonna have it anyways, it's yeah. a good way to do it. Yeah. I know like where I hunt down uh in southwest Colorado, I actually have service and yeah. full service, which is awesome. Um but if I didn't I would consider getting at least a sat phone or like Delorme makes that in yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and those those little t- like I've always had a sat phone and and they're great, but those little in reaches are like yeah. pro- I'll probably migrate to those um mostly in the future. Like yeah. I have to have a sat phone when I'm guiding or I'm up on the mountain because I have to communicate with either mm-hmm. you know for some business reasons. But beyond that, those little inreaches can cover pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was something on that I was going to say, but I'm sure I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll come up. But <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's any. Oh, the you know what I was going to say because just in case you don't ask about it, because I'm sure your audience will know. Because it's a it's from like the do it yourself crowd. We get asked all the time about packing elk for guys, like it, you know, just strictly yeah. packing out an animal. If you yeah, so if out. you okay. backpack into an area and then you kill an elk, and then um, you need somebody to pack it out for mm-hmm. you, um, you know, it's uh, it's like a touchy one within the community. Some guys like to do it. Some guys won't do it, um, you know, all those different things. But it's I get asked about it all the time. And a lot of guys want to pack into an area, particularly if they go really remote. And mostly it's during archery season. Yeah, it's hotter. You yeah. got to get it out quicker. And they need a way to get it out. And I'll be you have to you have to really communicate with an outfitter in the area because it kind of goes back to the concept I told you before. We can't. It's all a logistics thing. Like the business is really logistically intense. Uh, if you think if you think about it, you mm-hmm. know I've got forty horses, ho- horses and mules, and they're going like a hundred different. Oh, shit. Dr- I didn't realize you had that big of a. Well, it takes a lot. You know, you'd be surprised. Um, what I mean, think about it. if a guy has to pack out. If one guy has to pack out two bulls, right? Mm-hmm. He's got his horse, and then he's got two two meals per bull. So now you got five horses going one way. And then if you get that many, and then if you get that many with one guy and then the bulls are in some shithole area, then you're going to send another crew member with them. So now you got six horses just going to get two bulls. Wow. And if you get the right conditions, it's nothing to have to get three, four bulls in one day. So now I've got 15 horses and four or five guys 
going to just get bulls. So it's hard for, I think sometimes people don't fathom that. Outfitters are not trying to crap on you or anything like that, but sometimes they can't just pull up everything and go get your bull. Yeah. So what I tell guys is like, I'm willing to help, but you're always going to be second to my other but my other drop clients. camps or yeah, fully guided. Just are. yeah so i think guys that are going to do it they have to go into the mindset that don't go in there and kill something that you can't get out yourself um you know in in the worst case scenario mm-hmm. outfitters will try to try to help you but you know you got to have a plan b that is not you just losing the elk yeah. which i've had it happen i've seen guys i i mean i know of in the last three, four years, probably half a dozen bulls that are just rotted because poor planning. And to me, that's pretty, you know, you got to really, that's, that's, to me, that's a pretty, it's, it's, it's almost criminal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not because guys are trying, but when you, when you get way back in there, you have to be really conscientious. Don't kill something that you just can't get out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And people don't talk about it, but it happens every other year. Or so, oh you know? yeah. I could imagine. I mean, I've even found myself in certain situations before. It's just like, you end up going way back in, and uh, you're by yourself. It's, yeah, yeah, it's sure. hot out, you know, and it's like, man, if I did kill something back here, it would be really tough to get out. And yeah, it's something you do have to think about. And a lot of guys, especially going out for the first time, they're like, probably the odds are going to, you know, DIY public land archery, ten sure. percent or less chance. But if it does happen, you could be, uh, <laughs> you could be. Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, 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 I mean, I can relate because I've packed a lot of elk out on my back. But I guess the other part of that is that if you uh, if you can mentally power through it, you can get one out of some pretty far. Places. Oh, I bet. Yeah. But you just gotta realize that it's going to suck, like exponentially. <laughs> and but it's super important that you do, and it's your own doing. If you kill one in there and it takes you, you know, four round trips to ten miles, it's your fault. Um, You know what I mean? So you need to just keep that in mind and be ready for it. Or even like what I find guys is like they don't even have a buddy to call. And to me, like when I used to do, I've killed elk in the past where I could call somebody from town. And most guys, if you've got a buddy that can come help you pack, that will save. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Massive. Yeah. Because it's, I think part of it's psychological, right? Now you got somebody that realizes you know, you're, you're as big an idiot as they are, you know, <laughs> but, um, but anyways, you know, it's like a fun, fun pain. Yeah. You've got somebody to enjoy it with, but it can be really frustrating to pack one out by yourself. Um, but the other thing is it's half as many trips. So anyways, that's my thoughts on it. Uh, I think most outfitters are very willing to help. There's for sure some guys that will not do it period because they don't want to encourage you in their area. Mm, um, yeah. which you got, I mean, in that, that there's always, I think people have a little issue with that, but you got to kind of look at it from their perspective, and it's the same thing. You know, they don't want to encourage a massive. Trying amount. to run a business, yeah. 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 So, but anyways, that's my thoughts on that. So. <laughs> got it. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about maybe more of the either semi guided or fully guided camps, mm-hmm. and and what that entails. Is that basically just cooks in camp um you know more staff there you can have a guide to go out with during the day what tell us a little bit about the different maybe levels that you offer or what you know guys could get into if they're looking for more of a guided setup yeah so i'm i'm pretty simple on this front i kind of i kind of offer like one level of guided stuff okay 
Um, but some guys offer kind of two levels. They basically will offer a drop camp um, with like if there's four guy four hunters in the drop camp, they might offer the the they call they might call it like a deluxe drop camp or something. There might be just a staff member in the, in there to cook, do the normal chores and everything. Yeah. If you've done mountain hunts before, and I'm sure a lot of your viewers can relate and probably yourself, there's a fair amount of just time and effort involved in surviving. You know, I mean, not like not like you're on a survival <laughs> mission, but you know what I mean, like cooking and yeah. all that crap. Hygiene takes more time, everything. So guys will offer that. And then kind of a variation of that is they'll offer it four hunters in like one guide, right, that goes out with one of them or two of them every day i don't do that i just strictly do full service guided stuff now is that is that one-on-one or you just have somebody in camp so my so most my guided stuff it just depends i i do some two-on-one okay two hunters per one guy Mm -hmm. and then some one-on-one and then so i just offer that full service guided deal now depending on the species depending on the people um, you know, their physical ability, what they want to do, their motivations. I offer a fair amount of flexibility of how those guides actually operate. I will have guides that'll do backpack hunts outside of, you know, like we'll put, we'll take them into a drop, you know, not, it's not a drop camp technically it, but it's a wall tent set up. Yeah. It's like my guided camp. And then they'll, they'll basically backpack hunt with the hunter. Um, so and, backpack hunt like maybe they'll go off for yeah. two days or something yep. or, okay yeah or maybe even the whole week or whatever yeah. Got it. um and i will say that i'm probably one of the i'm one of the very few guys that do that stuff and the other thing i'll do is like my my later season um guided camps typically are more they have they're kind of like what you think traditionally right bunch of horses in camp you got somebody taking care of the horses. You've got a full-time cook. You might have between four and eight hunters, right? Like a fairly large camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other style I do is I will do where I just have like one guide, two hunters in a camp. Got and it. they and sometimes I'll do them with horses. Sometimes I won't. It depends. Like a lot of my deer stuff, I happen to have camps that are in really good deer country. I'm not going to keep horses in the camp because. It's just more noise. It's it's more it's more time to deal with. And the horse deal isn't because every that, that's probably one. Of, that's a big question I get mm-hmm. is like, and this is like some of your crowd might be thinking about renting horses or whatever. Horses like hunting on horseback to me, it's like the epitome of Western elk hunting. Like or like if you talk it's to experience, right? Well, yeah. And if you talk to my father who's like a more old school outfitter, like, and you told him you're going elk hunting without horses, he'd just like laugh at you. Like, what, why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. not even elk hunting. Like, he, like, he, the back, like, a lot of the old school guys think the whole backpacking trend is like comical. You know, it's like these guys don't know how to kill elk. Or that's me. That's yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, uh, but, but, you know, it's, it's just a generational thing and cultural thing. But, anyways, the thing about horses, and I think it comes out of that mentality, like, you know, the ads in Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or some guy with his $800 jacket on and he's sitting on a horse packing a bull out, right? And there's like this, there's all this about horses and elk and, and deer hunting in uh, in the West. And it's an awesome way to do it. But you have to understand that there's a huge cost of hunting with horses, it, particularly if, you'd, if you've never been around them. Like if you rent horses and take them up into the woods, 
which there are people that ran them in Colorado and Wyoming. So you can do it, but just be prepared that there are a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Know? And then the other thing is functionally when you're hunting, and this comes back to kind of what I was saying, is sometimes we won't go, we won't take horses every day hunting. Because, like, for instance, when I'm guiding, one of the most annoying things is that you go, you can take your horses somewhere that, that gets you into elk, but you have to come back to those horses before it gets dark. Right, so if you go, if you hike for, for why is that? Just well, because you can't. You, they gotta go. You gotta feed them. They gotta okay. have water. I you know, you can't travel at night or. Oh yeah, no, you can ride at okay. night. Like Got you better it. be prepared to ride at night because that's what <laughs> you know. You you're riding in the dark in the morning. You're riding in the dark. But yeah. the problem is, is just logistically, you all you have to take care of those horses. Yeah. So the freedom of you know just being in camp and hiking out for the day on a hunt. I mean, you can come back at two in the morning and you might do a huge loop and never backtrack at all, right? Mm. And you can be a little more effective hunting-wise. Now, if you need to travel to get to elk, then it might make sense to take horses. But your downside is the fact that if you get to chase an elk or you glass up elk that are a mile and a half away, you can't just complete. Well, you got to realize like, yeah. how am I going to get? Yeah, so you get the idea. Yeah, and I think it's. I'm always. I always try to explain that to guys because people sometimes think that guides or outfitters are are being cheap about using their horses. It's not that. It's that we're always trying to we're trying to do the best thing, but we realize the downside of using them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so it's something to think about. But the care of horses in a camp in the wilderness and everything. I mean, my, my, and this is again just totally my opinion a mm-hmm. do it yourself guy who doesn't have a lot of livestock or horse experience and rents horses and goes up in the, is crazy. Uh, just, I mean, they don't I don't know what uh, they're getting into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and they're just not going to have as much fun. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think if you take time, if you, if you want to learn that aspect of it, I think that's awesome. It's a big part of my life you know, packing and hunting off horses, if you want to spend the time to learn it, then that's great. But don't think you're just going to pick it up. You know, that's, it's just, it's just yeah. a challenging deal, you know? I'm sure. Well, I think with all this, I mean, I think it's just important for anybody who's considering a Western hunt. What, what experience are you looking for? You yeah. Know, are you looking to go in solo, you know, backpack, go do it yourself? Um, you know, a drop camp where you've got some of the comforts of, you know, um, sure. Better food and a, a cot to sleep on at night or, you know, what, what are you looking for? Um, so I, I think that's important to recognize that yeah, yeah. and then see what you want to do from there. Sure. Well, I, and I mean, I guess it's probably a question for you, but I always notice that, uh, cause I mean, how long have you been hunting elk? Just two years. I'm yeah. A rookie. So two years. <laughs> yeah. But you probably, so you've gone over that hump of realizing like, this is pretty serious. Oh, yeah. This is like a serious, you know, and, and people, I think that'll never come through in a lot of, until you do it. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, guys ask me about it, or I get a lot of phone calls. I get a lot of phone calls from guys that just want to talk about elk hunting in this area or whatever, which I don't mind. That's, it's cool to talk to new guys, and they've never been out west, but, or into the mountains, in the high altitude mountains. You have to go. Because yeah. when you go, you realize, like, oh, all the shit in magazines is not like this because it is way more than you think. Mm-hmm. I mean, even going in, going into a drop camp, like people think like, oh, it's going to be cushy and it's going to be comfortable. It is to some extent, but you're still like being four hours or being 10 miles from a road, like you don't really understand what you're getting into till you do it. 
you know what I mean? And then it, I mean, would you agree with that? Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like your I'm, first exposure to it's like holy shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. you got a lot of guys coming from basically sea level yeah. up to you know yeah. flat tops. That's gonna be what eight, nine, ten thousand. Yeah, feet, most even of my more. stuff's above ten thousand. Yeah. Feet, so yeah, I mean, so that, yeah, and then you deal with the physical part of that too. Even if mm-hmm. you're in awesome shape, you're still gonna have a little. Your body's gonna have a little anxiety and adaption just because mm-hmm. elevation. But, yeah. But yeah, and a lot of guys. I mean. You know, they just haven't even experienced just the open. It's not open, but just the vast amount of wilderness that you get into. Yeah, and just navigating that terrain, it's it's a whole nother level, and it's it's not something you should necessarily be scared of, but you should definitely be prepared. You know, yeah, in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think being prepared and conscientious of it and all that's important. But the other thing is, you just got to go do it. Yeah, because <laughs> like a lot of guys, they think, and this is kind of funny to me, and I'm not trying to shit on anybody, but a lot of guys think like. They're going to wait like 10 years and then they're going to go elk hunting. It's going to be idyllic. Mm -hmm. It's just tough. It's like, you know, there, there are opportunities to do that. Um, you know, I book hunts that are on private places and and they're awesome hunts, but it's totally different than the stuff we're talking about. Mm -hmm. There's going to always be like a learning curve if it's guided a drop camp or completely do it yourself out of a Kafaru backpack or, or whatever, you know, high end, like all the super duper backpacking gear there's just going to be a learning curve. doesn't matter how much money you spend, you know? Yeah. Like I said, you just got to do it. And and that's what I tell people all the time. And that's kind of why. I started this this blog to begin with was just like to showcase that it is possible, but nothing's going to change or you're not going to be able to experience that or get better or whatever unless you just get out there and try it. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And then I think part of that, not to get like uh, uh, real crazy into it, but like you, if you've done it, when somebody posts up the picture of their raghorn on Instagram – and it's like from a wilderness area, you're like, that's awesome. You know what I mean? And you, and you don't like other, but other people look like, oh, why would you even post a picture of this little shitter bull or whatever? Well, it's totally different, man. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a big accomplishment. Just straight killing an elk and getting it out of a wilderness area is a pretty big deal, you know? Yeah. So, as a hunter, I think, I think probably over the counter wilderness elk is the hardest hunt, maybe maybe in North America, to be honest. And that's coming from somebody who's guided sheep hunts, goat hunts, been all over the place. It really, it's one of the most mentally and physically challenging hunts there is. Oh, yeah. You I'm know. sure. I'm sure. What, uh, talk to us a little bit. Like, Do you see higher success rates You know, with drop camps versus guided hunts versus you know, complete DIY? Like, I know we kind of talked about archery being about 10% on average. Yeah, but across like, the state. Yeah, yeah. What do you see? I mean, five guys come into camp. Is it typical that two might kill, or is it just kind of vary? Yeah, so I think um, if you if you want to like look at the statistics, and I'll give you kind of insight what I think's good, mm-hmm. and what I'll tell guys if I can triple the success of my units by the general public, that's what I shoot for, right? Got it. So, yeah. um, so if 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 my guided archery, if dead bulls are 20 to 25%, maybe 30% in in a, in a really good situation, that that's a that's what you should expect. Yeah. And a lot of guys scoff at that, but they don't realize, you know, that that's just a reality. If if somebody's telling you they they're better than that, like substantially better than that, yeah. they're probably they might be fibbing a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just a reality. Now, you do get like it, it goes back to the thing guys will say, um 
so part of that is that I, I deal with a whole spectrum of hunters, right? Guys who've hunted a lot, guys who've hunted elk a lot, guys who've been in the same camp with me like for 20 years. Yeah, you know. they know the area. Yeah, yeah. So like there, there, there's, you know, I'm generalizing all over that. But I will say in the do-it-yourself crowd, particularly in the community, like this community me and you live in is a perfect example. There are guys that kill an elk every year with a bow. Oh, right? yeah. But that's because they know, well, and some of them don't kill it in the wilderness. Some of them kill it you know, maybe five miles from where we're sitting, you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. they know spots, they know how to kill elk there. And that's not, that's not really what you're asking. I don't, I don't think that's almost like you have to look at that. If you're just getting into it, you can't look at that as like a reasonable goal yeah. in a couple of years. Yeah. Like it's tough these, to kind of put a blanket percentage. You yeah. Know, yeah on it's all, There's so I mean, many different variables, right? Yeah. And, yeah. It's almost yeah. impossible. And then, yeah. you know, particularly with the thing about archery is I will say is like most guys, if they get, if I, I think if you get yourself in the right situation within a couple of years, you should be interacting with elk pretty readily. Now killing one's tough, particularly in areas where they just get, I mean, in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. People don't, that's the thing. I mean, people don't understand these elk get hunted for a long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they, and they, they don't tolerate any you know accident you know or not not accidents i mean like mistakes that yeah. a hunter makes and mm-hmm. elk is just not going to tolerate it period in in this type of area so yeah. um but anyway go ahead yeah um do you do you guys uh do anything with draw units or is it all is it all over the counter or just yeah so kinda... my my deers my deers draw like okay. the rest of the state yeah i mean it varies a lot but you know each season mm-hmm. um but most of my business is over the counter elk got it um i do i can hunt a little bit of uh i've got some camps that could hunt the northern or the southern part of 24 which is draw yeah. um but uh for the most part i mean it just depends i do some high country deer hunts that are really high draw in early september mm-hmm. um and then all the goat and sheep hunts i do are obviously draw yeah yeah that's cool what um what do you what what is something that you see a lot of guys um we're kind of off the just general topic of outfitters or whatever but like sure what's a big mistake you see like first hunters make is it just not uh preparing is it just i don't know like what what is something that you see that um people could improve on you know potentially starting yeah out? like from my clientele or or any anybody you're talking yeah. about really um, I mean, the the one that everybody will say is just physical preparedness, okay. right? Maybe yeah. with the do-it-yourself crowd, that's probably people are pretty conscientious about that. Mm-hmm. I'd say if you're going to go on a guided hunt or something, you should you should really take that component serious. You're spending a lot of money, and that's really hard to to um, as a guide. Um, it's you can't I can't you know like it's just you something can't I can't carry up yeah there. yeah exactly. <laughs> so that's that's a function I think people should take serious, right? Yeah. Um, but everybody will tell you that one. I think the other one is we were kind of talking about it is just a mental mindset that you're getting in to like something that is is pretty awesome and a huge achievement. Don't let the fact that like Instagram or Facebook everybody's got a dead bull convince you otherwise because I can tell you and again I'm not trying to be negative but guys that have bulls from you know units in Arizona or New Mexico where you know and it's one one out of 10 years you draw the tag that that's fantastic accomplishment but it's not like this oh, you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. and so you have to put that into perspective because 
all the social media stuff is full of that. It seems like everybody's killing bulls every year. You have to, you have to like really, you have to gauge what's really going on, and I think have the right perspective. Because if you don't, and this gets back, gets to the the point of it is you can't get frustrated by defeat. Yeah, that's like the nature of elk hunting is like constant defeat until you get lucky, and then it's awesome, right? Like oh, yeah. elk hunting in particular, it's it's more so this way than even than deer or all the other species is that like everything always changes like it's pretty much i mean you you've probably it's pretty much really shitty and then like <laughs> and then five seconds like boom it's different and it's awesome right yeah. and you forget about the shitty part and it's you're pumped about it and that's what mm-hmm. drives you on that's what this type of elk hunting is about and you have to have that perspective or you'll give up you yeah. know what i mean like so i would say like i can tell you that you know, I run into, I don't have a whole lot of backpacker traffic in my country for some topography reasons, mm-hmm. but when I run in, when I do run into backpackers and do it yourself, guys, you'd be amazed at how di- you have guys, uh, I, 50 to 60% of the guys I see will be gone within 24, 36 hours, right? Really? Yeah. And the reason it is, is because that frustration sets in and like what they're getting into. I think a fair amount of that's just they're trying to figure out like what's going on, yeah. you know, all this stuff. And, but then the other half are just like settle in for the long haul and they're pretty, they're pretty effective. So I think I, I, that's like the the worst answer to your question. Cause it's not to the point, but <laughs> no, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think if you go in with that perspective, you're going to have a lot more fun and be more effective for sure. I mean, and there is just a mental, there is kind of like a mental toughness component to the whole, the whole, the whole thing for sure. Um, but anyways, does that answer that one? Yeah. No, that's, that's all good <laughs> stuff. I like it. Yeah. I mean, this year I didn't kill a bull and, uh, last year I did. I mean, I got nice. lucky. I got lucky as a first year hunter, sure. but, um, but yeah, you see everybody online posting their pictures and it's like, damn it. I'm the, I'm the only one who didn't get one. But the reality is, I mean, like oh, I yeah. could go another three years and I'd still be, you know, beating the odds you know based on oh yeah yeah sure i mean it's not easy yeah sure and i think the other thing you have to take into account um and and you're in a community where there's a lot of guys like this there's a lot of guys that kill a bull every year but they'll hunt 20 days a season at least yeah 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 um so you know i have to figure that in too and i think that's hard for guys because i'm I'm guessing that a a fair amount of your listeners are guys from the east coast or midwest yeah and they can't week yeah maybe 10 days so put that in perspective i'm not saying don't do it Mm because it's awesome even even if you coming out here and enjoying the mountains is awesome even if you don't kill an elk but you got to have you got to put it in perspective you know yeah yeah for sure for sure well cool um man i kept you here it's probably going on what like 45 minutes now um it's you said good. you said you got to uh you got to score a deer here in a bit right you said you're also a scorer for pope and young and yeah so i score for pope and young and boone and crockett nice. um and this is the time of year because everybody's coming off of their so you have to have to drive for 60 days so here in the last couple of weeks is kind of the busy time to score deer got it so got it but uh, and i can't believe you said you don't you have a mule deer hunting <laughs> I'm gonna, this, you're I'm like, gonna have to pick your brain on that. Yeah, well, you're in the epicenter, the epicenter of it. Well, the problem is you got to wait, you know, to hunt some of these areas. Well, 44, but um, I'll have to pick your brain and see what you think would be a good unit, maybe yeah. for a couple. Well, there, points. well, for a bow hunter, there's always a lot of opportunity. <laughs> True, but True. I think right now, you know, uh, to me, uh, I mean, not to get in the big, uh, you know, the 
politics of it all. But to me, the elk hunting probably in Colorado is at a fairly, you know, not a low, but it's been on the decline. And I'd say our deer hunting is getting more better and better. Okay. You know, yeah. That's kind of my view on that. So I think I should consider can, yeah, mule deer consider hunting too. It, sure. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. And I'd love to to be able to have you back on at some point and talk a little bit more strategy stuff. I mean, oh, yeah, whether yeah, it's mule sure. deer or elk would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just kind of wanted to, you know, at least get the perspective to kind of educate guys on drop camps and maybe semi-guided hunts and kind of open that realm you know because yeah, yeah we're all different you know some people have limited time they have different resources so they want to try different things you know yeah sure no sounds good what um where can people go to to go uh find you guys uh what's your website yeah so my website's flattopswildernessguides.com you can actually also get there just ftguides.com take you to the same place and then actually instagram's probably a good way to communicate with me and it's cliff c-l-i-f-f-g-r-y Got it, got it. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to follow you on there. Yeah, you're not following me. That's, you forced me to go on your podcast and don't even follow me. That's you ridiculous. will get a follow after this. I promise. I promise. Good deal. Yeah, it's cool. I like, no, I looked you up. I knew you were flat top, flat tops wilderness. I just, I just didn't recognize that you were right here locally. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, it, yeah, I didn't. I actually didn't either <laughs> notice that either. And then it's kind of random, but, but yeah, no, it was a uh, good chat, man. We'll have to do it again. And like you say, we can do, we can go over strategy stuff. There's always. You know, like your one question, there's always, you see a lot, you know, what works and what doesn't. But Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's different times of the year, too. I mean, like, uh, archery is going to be different than, you know, rifle. And I feel like I cover a lot on archery because that's what I know. Yeah, that's but, what you like to do. Yeah, sure. but, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there maybe to look and do a, a rifle hunt that yeah. we, could, we could dive into as well. Sure, no problem. Cool. Well, I, I really appreciate it, Cliff. It's good, uh, good to meet you and appreciate you being on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And there we go, another episode for you on the internet, in the books. Big thanks to Jim from Wisconsin. Thanks again for reaching out and giving me the inspiration for this episode. And big thanks to Cliff Gray at Flat Tops Wilderness Guides. I certainly did learn a lot, and it was, you know, great content for this time of year when we're starting to think about planning and and hunting in general so um, hope you guys enjoyed that one again keep the questions coming in um, feedback whatever I'd love to hear from you shoot me an email or fill out the contact form on the website this is all about you guys I want I want to provide content that you guys want to learn about um, until I get some sponsors on the show, then it's all about them. So screw you guys. I'm jamming products down your throat. Just kidding. Just kidding. I will never do that. But don't don't threaten me. Don't tempt me. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, make sure you're following us on following Sportsman's Nation on social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, same with Transition Wild. Love to connect with you guys. So follow me there on Instagram, Facebook. Um, I have a YouTube channel. Subscribe to that if you're uh, if you're so kind to do so. And make sure again leave a five star review if you're liking what you're hearing, and that would be much appreciated. So until next time, you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon.